Hello everyone, again, long time no see, and welcome to another episode of Crash, the UK Geek Podcast. This is episode 398, recorded on Wednesday, the 4th of August, 2021, at 233657. Welcome to another vintage revisit of a Doctor Who episode, our continuing everlasting revisit that has been going on now for years. I may be losing my mind. Tonight we are talking about The Invasion of Time from 1978. Let us begin with a little me therapy and I'll tell you the state of the rewatch. You already know that there have been some delays recently. You'll know that if you follow me on Twitter, but then not that many people do. As you are here, I'm assuming that this is news to you. My computer died. It didn't quite go to heaven, or was reincarnated, or whatever your preferred version of the afterlife is. It was slowly resuscitated and is now resurrected. (laughs) This is getting needlessly filled with religious imagery. I don't know where that came from. Maybe it's just a late night. Right now, let me tell you how I feel. It is by will alone I set my mind in motion. It is by the juice of Sappho that thoughts acquire speed, etc. 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 Yulbrenner. And thank you, David Lynch. I am that tired. And it is only by imbibing an unwise amount of caffeine that my brain is not shutting down right at this moment. Let's hope I manage to get through this episode. I'm already feeling a bit odd. Let's talk some notes about the invasion of time, then I'll tell you what happened, then I'll tell you what I thought. As usual, we are following the fourth Doctor, Tom Baker, and his companions, Leela, played by Louise Jameson, and K-9, played by John Leeson. Not actually on all fours, but just his voice. (laughs) That would be quite an image. (laughs) The director was Gerald Blake, the writer Graham Williams and Anthony Reed, who later wrote episodes of The Omega Factor, which is an absolutely excellent, brilliant supernatural drama that I really enjoyed when I was a child, and maybe partly the reason I'm a bit odd. Graham Williams and Anthony Reed wrote The Invasion of Time under the BBC pseudonym David Agnew, which is what they used apparently in the 70s, I'm not sure if they still do that, when major changes screwed up the allocation of credits. That is because this script replaced another script by a writer called David Weir, and his script was called The Killers of the Dark which was, I read, too expensive to produce. 
later on I also read that some of the art, I think, that was made up for the unproduced script appeared in Doctor Who magazine. Don't ask me what issue. I have no idea. Probably sometime in the late 70s, early 80s. That's a good guess. Maybe 90s. I don't know. The producer was Graham Williams. And locations. Model filming at Bray Studios in Slough, as usual. Studio filming at BBC Television Centre in Shepherd's Bush. Beachfields Quarry and St Anne's Hospital in Redhill, Surrey, were also used. I'm assuming for the outside scenes of Gallifrey. And British Oxygen in Hammersmith as well. And all that filming took place a year before in 1977. It's interesting how much stuff has happened in Surrey. We've mentioned quite a few of those Surrey locations before. It's interesting because I used to work in Croydon, and before I moved here, the last temporary place I lived was in Red Hill in Surrey. So I do have a vague knowledge of the area. And Red Hill also has a nice little community cinema that my mother and I went to see a science fiction film. We'll still talk about that. The Invasion of Time was Story 097, or Serial 6 of Season 15, and was the season finale of Season 15. It consisted of six 25-minute episodes and was first broadcast from the 4th of February to the 11th of March 1978. It follows Underworld that we covered in pod 394. As usual, let's do our On This Day segment to give you a feeling of the times. As far as I can see, nothing happened. So don't bug me. Let's just move on. Yeah, I don't want to do it this week because I could find nothing of any great significance that happened in the UK. Look, we're a small country. Not that much happens all the time. The Invasion of Time opens with the Doctor secretly meeting some aliens with strangely egg-shaped heads. He then takes the TARDIS to the Citadel of Gallifrey, the home of the Time Lords, where he immediately states claim to the presidency as the only remaining candidate after the events of The Deadly Assassin, which we covered in pod 371. In what seems like an act of big-headed extravagance, he demands some changes to the presidential suite, and those changes are that they be lined with decorative lead walls, on the pretext of its cultural artistry. During his induction as the president, the crown of Razalon is placed on his head and it injures him. Immediately, Leela is accused of harming the Doctor and she's banished 
to the primitive outside. The Doctor again meets the aliens, the Vardans, and proclaims them as the new masters of Gallifrey, but later tells Chancellor Barusa in his suite that was lined with lead, if you remember, that the lead prevents the Vardans reading their minds, and that he does have something up his sleeve, and that thing is that he plans to trap them on their home planet. Outside, Leela and a Time Lady technician called Rodan, who she met during her escapades within the Citadel, meet some primitive ex-Time Lord outsiders. Leela, through combat and mutual respect, manages to gain their assistance in storming the Citadel, when she tells them that the Citadel has been invaded. The Vardan, who turn out to be surprisingly human-looking, distrust the Doctor, so he tells them that he will turn off the force field around Gallifrey, but instead he sabotages it in order to locate their planet and trap them. However, at the last moment, Sontaran warriors appear and take control of the situation, saying that the Vardans, while useful, are disposable. The resistance fighters from inside and outside gather and try to repel the invaders from the Citadel. The Doctor obtains the key of Razalon from Chancellor Barossa, and within the TARDIS, a chase ensues as the Doctor evades the Sontarans and activates an ultimate weapon known as the DMAT gun with the key of Rassilon. In a final confrontation in the Panopticon, the Doctor shoots Sontaran Commander Store and there is an explosion. In the aftermath of all this action, the Doctor eventually wakes up and seems to have some kind of amnesia because he can remember nothing, but is cheered as a hero and the saviour of Gallifrey as he returns to the TARDIS. He beckons Leela, but she says she will stay behind with Andred, who is the commander of the Citadel Guard. The Doctor also asks K-9 to go with him, but K-9 also says that he will stay, and he's going to stay so that he can look after Leela. Leela says she will miss him, and the Doctor smiles. Then he enters the TARDIS, closes the door, and says that he will miss the Savage as well. Outside the TARDIS, Leela worries that the Doctor will become lonely, In the console room on the floor, we see a box marked K9 Mark II. And the final scene is the Doctor grinning into the camera. Let me now tell you what I thought. First, this is a six-parter, and it is clearly too long, and you know how much I do not like six-parters almost as much as I don't really like the historical Doctor Who stories. 
On the other hand, I always enjoy a trip to Gallifrey for some sightseeing and to load up on the lore. For example, this is the first time we've seen non-Time Lord Gallifreyans, at least I think it is. I've been doing this a long time, I apologise if I'm wrong. And we see that they have rejected the high-tech ways of the Time Lords and have become a primitive warrior culture. We also, and again, I think this is the first time, see a Time Lady. And there's also some very quirky tech, which we would expect from the highly eccentric Time Lords. One example of this tech is the way that the Time Lords signal a red alert <laughs> by changing a light bulb. Yeah, they pop in a light bulb that flashes red instead of a more benign colour. This is exactly the same method used as a running gag in Red Dwarf, though with much more hilarity in Red Dwarf. <laughs> I wonder if they got that from Doctor Who. It could be a coincidence. It is quite a funny way of announcing a red alert just by changing a light bulb. <laughs> we also get a lot of Doctor lore in the form of a trip through the TARDIS. It's mostly filmed using locations that the budget would allow. We are talking old who, not you who, of course. But it did keep my imagination happy as we moved through the derelict brick-lined industrial buildings, a workshop, then we paused to see Chancellor Barusa lounging by the tropical-themed swimming pool with a copy of the Daily Mirror whose front page announced the sinking of the Titanic, which the Doctor says he isn't to blame for. Then we move on to the sick bay, and finally the ancillary power station, which is disguised as an art gallery. That pool area I mentioned before is also the setting of a scene where one of the Sontaran soldiers is almost eaten by a large plant. <laughs> as he gets trapped inside the plant, the doctor moves to the outside of the plant and shakes the protruding hand of the Sontaran soldier who is trapped inside. <laughs> it's a nice touch. And Sontarans, whenever there is a Sontaran on Doctor Who, it's only a matter of time before they die from a blow to the probic vent, that chink in their armour at the back of their necks, which you would have thought they'd put a little hatch on it or something. That is their only vulnerable spot. The Doctor obliges Leela with this information, and she promptly dispatches one with a thrown knife. Later, another Sontaran is killed in exactly the same fashion by a member of the primitive outside resistance. Again, I've been doing this for so long that I'm not sure this is the first time that I've heard the next thing that I'm going to talk about, and that is the TARDIS referred to as a Type 40. 
It is also referred to as a time capsule, but like a lot of people my age, I have very different memories of what a time capsule is. You might too, if you're old enough. And if you are old enough, perhaps tell me, were any of those capsules we buried ever dug up again, or are they all lost to time? How appropriate. And finally, let's talk about Leela, who has now left the show. Leela had been displaying mate-seeking behaviour over the last few adventures, when she becomes increasingly affectionate to some of the men she takes a fancy to. That must have been some kind of foreshadowing that she was about to find a suitable mate and leave. It also is pretty cool that K-9 left the Doctor as well because he wanted to protect Leela, his mistress. He has always shown a strong attachment to Leela, and I'm sure he'll protect her in future. I liked how the Doctor said goodbye to Leela. He did it with a cheerful smile rather than words, which at this stage would be meaningless. And I also liked how right at the end of the scene, the Doctor smiles at us as he departs. It feels like a positive ending with a promise of further adventure. Finally, let's all say goodbye to Leela now. Goodbye, Leela. We'll miss you. And that is it. I've just got one piece of trivia. Unsurprisingly, it is to do with Leela. The character of Leela would return in a BBC charity special called Dimensions in Time in 1993, which was a crossover with a British soap opera set in London called EastEnders, in which Louise Jameson would be casted later in 1998, five years later. And by the way, one of the places we looked at but we couldn't buy was a house very near to where EastEnders was filmed in Boreham Wood. I remember looking outside the house as a couple of old ladies from the neighbourhood saw us and chatted to us and told us all about EastEnders and the filming. But yeah, we didn't move there in the end. We moved here. And that is it. That is it for my revisit, rewatch, recap of The Invasion of Time from 1978. Oh my god, I'm tired now. I'm tired and I'm also wired. (laughs) I've somehow got to go to sleep because I've got about a million things to do tomorrow. Oh, but I'm glad that I'm doing these podcasts again. It was just a little blip when we had some technical issues. I do wish there was some kind of backup system that I could rely on when all of this goes up the spout. I'll have to see what I can do. I do have alternative gear, but it really isn't set up and I don't have procedures in place 
for when things go wrong like that. Given how many times things have gone wrong with this podcast, you would have thought I'd have sorted that out by now. Ooh, okay. I think I'm ready to go. I'll be back soon with a weekly geekly rundown of stuff that I've been doing. That should be recorded next Monday and released on Wednesday. And then on Wednesday, I'll record another vintage Doctor Who recap and release that on Friday. So we are back on schedule unless my computer lets me down again. That's it for now. This show is produced, presented, and edited by me, Roy Matur, a writer. Matur is spelt M-A-T-H-U-R. I've been spelling out my name now for years. You would have thought everyone knew how to spell it by now. You can find more about me or get in touch at roymatur.com. If you want to help, please review and rate the show on whatever platform you listen Recommend it to a friend if you like it, or a mortal enemy if you don't. Or click on the contact or support link on the website. Yes, you can support me with small tips. I am on coffee, K-O hyphen F-I, and you'll find more about that on the website. If you don't want to help, then you are a complete bastard. <laughs> You were listening to Captain Roy's Rocket Radio Show, Crash, the UK podcast for the culture geek, technology nerd and creative wizard. This was episode 398. Wow, 398 episodes. Recorded on Wednesday, the 4th of August, 2021, but ending because I've been talking for so long on Thursday, the 5th of August, 2021, at... 001014. Thanks for listening, and bye-bye for now. Bye.